Shipnet activated. Suspicious activity detected. Starting audio surveillance. Hang on, hang on. No, seriously, what are you doing? I should... no, hang on, I'll tell you what it is, right? I downloaded this hacking program. Oh, my okay. God. No, 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 it's fine. I got it from Juarez. Uh, that's a good site, is oh it not? Oh, my God. They're okay. <laughs> Ow. What are you trying to hack? Uh, well, I, what I was thinking was, right, we could get into Sean's shed. We could just hack in. You could just open the door and walk in if you want to. I, but that involves movement, and you know I'm against it. Threat identified. Threat classed as idiotic. Ignoring. Computer systems are safe. Sean of the Ah, They keep trying. How do? How's everyone doing? Hope you're doing well. And welcome to another episode of Sean of the Shed. This is the show where I introduce you to all those different technologies out there that can be just so useful to us as blind or visually impaired people. It doesn't matter if you're an uber geeky nerd or somebody who's never even used a TV remote control before. When it comes to using new technology that we haven't used before, we're all confused. We all don't know where to start. And hopefully, I can help. Today, we're going to be talking computers. Now, is it just me? But doesn't the word computers just seem so dated and old-fashioned now? Hello, and welcome to the exciting world of computers! Ridiculous. Now, while it's true that the newer gadgets such as smartphones, tablets and smart speakers have replaced the computer for a lot of people for everyday tasks, there's one place where the computer still rules supreme, and that is, of course, in the workplace. And I would say for 99.999999% of people, whether you have a disability or not, being able to use a computer is essential when it comes to employment. Anywho, that's enough waffle. Let's get down to it because the good news is that if you are blind or visually impaired, of course you can use a computer. And actually, in some cases, you can even be quicker, more productive than a sighted user. That's right, we've got a secret weapon. But more on that later. Let's say hello to computers. Okay, so this is going to be an introduction to computers. Because if I tried to cover all aspects of computers, then this episode would be about eight hours long. And although I don't mind talking for that long, you know me, the problem is that that just seems a little bit overwhelming. Too much information to take in at one time. So today I'm going to cover the basics, the fundamentals. If you're visually impaired and never used a computer before, or maybe you've just recently experienced sight loss, or you're the parent or friend of a visually impaired child and you're just looking for information, then this episode is for you. Now, in later episodes, I will go into more detail about specific software and features such as NVDA or JAWS or Narrator or VoiceOver. But if you don't know what any of that is, don't worry. This is the place where we start. So let's do it. Okay, so how do you interact with a computer? How do you use it? How do you make it do things? 
Well, you use a keyboard to enter information, like this one in front of me here. And you also need some sort of pointing device, most commonly a mouse, that you use to move a little arrow around the screen, and you use that to click on items you want to interact with or select, such as menu items or open documents or open software like a web browser to surf the internet. Oh, there's problem number one. I can't use a mouse. I can't see the arrow on the screen. I can't see the things to click on. It's no good to me. Throw that mouse away. Um, well done. So, luckily enough, we don't need that mouse because you can also move around the screen, select items, activate items just by using the keyboard. So the very first thing you need to do when you're just starting to use a computer for the first time, and this is true whether you're blind or sighted actually, is get comfy with the keyboard. Be at one with the keyboard. Learn its layout and learn its ways. Yeah, sounds easy, but actually this can be quite daunting for someone who's not used a computer keyboard before. I mean, there's just so many keys on it. How could you possibly remember what each one does and where they are? Well, the bad news is there isn't a quick fix for this. It does take a little bit of time to get used to a keyboard and where all the keys are. But there are some things that may help. You can buy keyboards that have large print labels on each key. So if you do have some vision, you can learn the layout visually. And if you have no vision, you can also get keyboards with braille labels on each key. But either way, the only way you really learn is by using it. Now, the most important keys to learn for us on a keyboard, apart from the letters, obviously, are something called the command keys or sometimes the modifier keys. You'll find these on the bottom left corner of your keyboard next to the long space bar. And depending on what type of computer you're using, more on that later, they'll be labeled as things like Alt, Windows, Control, or Command, or Option. You'll also want to find the arrow keys on your keyboard. They're also known as the cursor keys, and basically they just allow you to move up, down, left or right through the various elements on the screen. And with that, the other important key is called Tab. You'll find this slightly elongated key next to the letter Q on your keyboard. By using these keys, the arrow keys, the tab key, and the modifier keys, we can do pretty much anything you can do with a mouse just by using the keyboard. For example, I'm using a program now to record this, what I'm saying, hello. If I want to save what I've done so far or throw it away and close the program down, I could simply press the Alt key on the keyboard to take me to the menus at the top of the screen. File submenu Alt plus F. I'm now on the file menu, and if I arrow down using the arrow keys on the keyboard, new control plus N unavailable N. As you heard, I'm now on the menu option called new. And if I press the enter key on the keyboard, I would start a new recording. It also told me some extra information. It said new control plus N unavailable N. What's all that about? Well, new is the actual menu item, but it's also telling me that if I press the modifier key called control plus the letter N at the same time, it will automatically start a new recording without the need for me to 
go to the menus first and then find the new option. It's called a keyboard shortcut. And that is our secret weapon. Because using these keyboard shortcuts can be so much faster than using the mouse, going to the menu, finding the option, clicking on it. Ugh, I mean, who's got time for all that? It's ridiculous. All I need to do is simply press Control and the letter N and bang, the new recording starts. It's as quick as that. And that's why we can be even more productive, even faster sometimes than sighted users. At least the ones that don't know the keyboard shortcuts. Now, the other information it told me was that it was unavailable because I'm currently recording this. So I can't start a new recording until I stop this one. So it's unavailable. And lastly, the letter N. This is just telling me that when I'm in this menu, instead of using the arrow keys to go through every menu item, I can simply press the letter N on its own to jump directly to this new menu option. Whew, I know that's a lot to take in. For now, let's just press the arrow down key again to move to the next menu option. Open, control plus O unavailable O. And now we're on the menu option, open. Did you hear what the keyboard shortcut for this command was? Yep, that's right. If I press Control and O at the same time, it will automatically open up a previously saved recording. Now, I don't want to do anything actually, so to leave the menus, I'm just going to press the Alt key again. And that, in a nutshell, is keyboard shortcuts. Easy. <laughs> you serious? Okay, maybe not easy as such. Look, I realise that this can all seem a little bit daunting. I rattled through quite a lot of information there. And you may be thinking to yourself, that's all fine and dandy, Sean, but how am I ever going to remember all those different keyboard shortcuts? Ah, good question. Sadly, there's no easy answer to that. The truth is, I've been using computers for years and I still discover new keyboard shortcuts that I never heard of before. But the trick is, don't stress about it. Just like getting used to the keyboard layout, when you spend more and more time on a computer, you'll find that these keyboard shortcuts sort of imprint themselves on your memory. Also, and rather handily, you'll find there's a lot of common keyboard shortcuts, meaning a keyboard shortcut you can use in one place on the computer, you can also use in another. For example, that Control plus N to open a new recording in this software I'm using now can also be used in something like a web browser to open a new browsing window. Or in word processing software such as Microsoft Word, Control N will open a new blank document. So you will find that you do pick up commonly used keyboard shortcuts quite quickly. Anyway, what all this shows you is that we can move around the computer system, we can open files, interact with things, open software without having to use a mouse and click on things on the screen. We can do it all with the keyboard. I know, it's great. But the funny thing is, keyboard shortcuts aren't actually an accessibility feature. They're not just there because people have disabilities and can't use a mouse. They're there because people recognize that actually, sometimes they're more convenient and actually quicker than using the mouse. Basically, keyboard shortcuts are there for advanced, power users like us.
Right, so we know we can use a computer without having to use a mouse. That's the first problem solved. Perfect. Which brings us to problem number two. How do I get information back from the computer? I mean, it's displayed visually on the screen, but I can't see that. Haha! Mm. -ha! No, that's not a problem at all. As you heard when I was using my computer just now, it was talking to me. It was telling me what menu I was on, what menu option. It was giving me all the information audibly. That's not what computers normally do. It's something I had to turn on. This is an accessibility feature, and it's called a screen reader, which surprisingly enough does exactly what you think. It reads the screen to me. But a screen reader isn't the only accessibility feature you can use. There's also something called magnification. So if you do have some vision, you can magnify the entire screen, making everything much, much bigger. And I mean huge. For most people with low vision or who are losing their vision, magnification is probably the first accessibility feature that they will try. I know that's exactly what I did when I started to lose my sight. I would just magnify it and then as I lost more and more vision, that magnification would get more and more until eventually the entire screen was basically just one letter of a word at a time. Now, the problem is obviously that when you get to that level of magnification, it's probably time to think about switching to a screen reader instead because it can just be so slow trying to do anything when everything is that big on the screen. But hey, as I said, for some people, magnification may be all they need. And if you can see the screen when using it, that means you can use that mouse, as long as you haven't thrown it out of the window. Don't! Another accessibility feature which is relevant to sight loss is Braille output. And for those of you out there that do use Braille, you know yourselves just how quick and efficient it can be. The only problem is you do need an extra bit of technology, something called a Braille display. Can you guess what it does? Yes, that's right. It displays Braille. So, for example, in that little demo I did earlier, when I went to the file menu, in my case, the screen reader just shouted it out. But if I was using Braille output, that information would have come up on the Braille display. Now, if you are one of those people who were smart enough to learn Braille, sadly, I'm not, then this Braille output accessibility feature is a great option. And of course, if you're visually impaired and also hearing impaired, it could be essential. The only downside to Braille on a computer is the cost of the Braille display itself. Currently, the most affordable Braille display will cost you at least $500, but the bigger ones can cost thousands. Unfortunately, I don't have a Braille display because I am very, very cheap. Bah, humbug! Plus, I don't know Braille anyway. So it's something that I can't actually demonstrate here, but it's important to know it is an option. Oh, and you're not just stuck to using one of these accessibility features at a time. As you heard, I use a screen reader as my main way of using the computer. But every now and again, I will also use the magnifier feature at the same time. And if I did have a Braille display, I could also use Braille output as well. You can choose whatever combination works best for you. Anywho, that is the accessibility features. And of course, a little later on, I'm going to show you how to turn them on. But before that, 
Do you remember earlier when I was talking about keyboard shortcuts and I said that different types of computer have different modifier keys? Let's talk about that. Let's say you're looking to buy your first computer. There's a couple of choices you need to make. Firstly, what style of computer do you want? You can either have a laptop computer, which is very small, portable, you can throw it in a bag and take it with you on the go. Or you could get a desktop computer, which, surprisingly enough, sits on your desk or under it. Either way, it's not portable. Now, the other choice you need to make is what type of computer you want, what flavor. Generally speaking, you've got three choices here. There's Windows, which is by far the most popular. Or there's the Mac computer made by Apple. And finally, and the new kid on the block, we have the Chromebook by Google. The good news is they're all perfectly accessible, perfectly usable, straight out of the box by us, blind and visually impaired people. And they can all do everything you would expect a computer to do, such as send emails, surf the web, make video calls, everything like that. The only real difference lies in the way that you use them. And that's the reason I'm bringing it up now. The accessibility features I've just talked about are available on all of these computers. But the way that you turn them on and the way that you use them is different on all of these computers. Of course it is. Otherwise, it would be too easy. Unbelievable. Anyway, which one should you get? Windows, Mac or Chromebook? Well, really, there's no wrong answer. It is down to you. It's personal choice. As I said, Windows is the most popular type of computer out there, particularly in the office. But then again, there's nothing wrong with the Mac. It can do all the normal things like email and web browsing, but it is particularly strong in things like video editing, photo editing, and audio editing. As for Chromebooks, they are, or at least they can be, really affordable. And you'll find a lot of schools and places of education use Chromebooks with their students. With all that said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my neck on the block here. Oh, I know I'm going to regret this. Unless you've got a particular reason to go with a Mac or a Chromebook, I would say, and just because it's the most popular computer out there, go with Windows. But that's just my own personal opinion. Take it with a pinch of salt. Oh, I just know I'm going to get emails about that. Anyway, let's move on very, very quickly. Let's turn on some accessibility features. Okay then, to wrap up this episode, let me show you how to turn on those various accessibility features. Now remember, this episode is just an overview, so I'm not going to go into detail about how to use each one and all the settings that may be available for each accessibility feature. We'll be diving into all that a little later on in this series. But right now, all I'm going to do is tell you how to turn them on and maybe a little bit more relevant information so that if you have a computer lying around the house, maybe you could try turning on an accessibility feature and having a play, experiment, go mad. Trust me, you're not going to break anything and you probably won't start World War III. Shall we play a game? Ah, a reference there that nobody under the age of 45 will understand. But I found it funny. Anyway, 
80s movie, War Games, Matthew Broderick. Check it out. Let's get on with it. Let's start off, as many people do, with magnifier. On a Windows computer, to turn on magnification, simply hold down the Windows key and press the plus key. Every time you tap that Windows and plus key together, the magnification of the screen will increase. To decrease the magnification of the screen, press Windows and the minus key. If you're a little bit sensitive to light, there is a cool feature with magnifier where you can invert the screen colors. This means instead of the normal black text on a white background, it would be white text on a black background. It's what I prefer. I find it much more comfortable on the eye. To toggle invert mode on or off, press the control key plus the alt key and the letter I together. To turn off magnification, just press Windows and the Escape key. The Escape key is usually on the top left-hand corner of the keyboard. It's labeled ESC for Escape. To turn on magnification on a Mac computer, press Command, Option, and the number eight. To zoom in, press Command, Option, and Plus, and to zoom out, Command, Option, and Minus. To invert the colors, press Control, Command, Option, and the number eight, all at the same time. That's a lot of keys. Now, if you find that this isn't working for you, then unfortunately, you may need sighted assistance to go into System Preferences, Accessibility, then under Zoom, make sure Use Keyboard Shortcuts for Zoom is ticked. To turn off magnification, simply press Command Option 8. Now, sadly, I don't have a Chromebook, so I can't go into too much detail, but according to Google's website, pressing Control, Search, and the letter M toggles full screen magnification on or off. To increase the magnification, press Control, Alt, and brightness up. To decrease, it's Control, Alt, and brightness down. Don't worry, a bit later on, I'll steal a Chromebook off Stephen and we'll learn it together. That's magnification. Let's move on to screen readers. The screen reader that comes with Windows is called Narrator. And to turn it on, simply press Control, Windows, and the Enter key. Narrator heading level one. Welcome to Narrator. This is Narrator Home, where you can get help, access your settings, and learn about new features. Narrator is a screen reader that describes aloud what's on your screen, so you can use that information to navigate your device. To start or stop Narrator, press the Windows logo key and Control and Enter. Explore the sections below to get started. Quick Start button, learn the basics of Narrator, Alt, Q. Whew, all right, calm down, you'll put me out of a job. As you heard when you start Narrator, it gives you a lot of information. More than that, it starts you off on a quick guide button. So all you need to do is press the space bar and the quick guide will start and it will take you through everything you need to know to get started using Narrator. Bonus! Just to let you know, to move around the various items on the screen, hold down the caps lock key. Yes, that's a new one. You'll find caps lock usually just to the left of the letter A on your keyboard. It's underneath the tab key. And press either the left or right arrow to navigate through everything. You can also use the tab key to move around the screen and to activate items, as I just said, 
press the space bar, or sometimes press enter. But don't worry, the quick start guide will explain everything. To close Narrator, simply press Control, Windows, and Enter. On Mac computers, the screen reader is called VoiceOver. And to turn it on, simply press Command and F5. <gasps> what? F5? Haven't heard of that one before. Yes, it's another new key. At the very top of your keyboard, you will find a row of keys called function keys. These are labeled F1 through to F12. As the name suggests, these perform various functions. And in this case, to start narrator, hold down command and press the function key F5. Now, if this doesn't work for you, then you will need to use this keyboard shortcut instead. Hold down the command key and also another new key called FN, which is next to it in the bottom left corner of the keyboard, and then press F5 all at the same time. And just to complicate things further, if your keyboard doesn't have any function keys on it, some earlier Mac computers didn't, then hold down the command key and tap the touch ID button three times. <sighs> anyway, when you do get voiceover turned on, you'll hear this. Welcome to voiceover. VoiceOver speaks descriptions of items on the screen and can be used to control the computer using only your keyboard. If you already know how to use VoiceOver, press the V key now. If you want to learn how to use VoiceOver, press the space bar now. Oh, what a gorgeous voice! And as you heard, to start the tutorial and get you started using VoiceOver, simply press the space bar. On a Chromebook, the screen reader is called Chrome Vox. Yep, like box, but with a V. Anyway, luckily enough, this is very easy to start. Just press Control, Alt, and the letter Z. Welcome to Chromebox. Chromebox spoken feedback is ready. Welcome to the Chromebox tutorial. To exit this tutorial at any time, press the escape key on the top left corner of the keyboard. To turn off Chromebox, hold Control and Alt, and press Z. When you're ready, use the spacebar to move to the next lesson. Ah, I've got to say, it is just so cool that all of these screen readers, when they start up, give the users a really easy way to start a tutorial and get used to how this screen reader works. Believe me, it wasn't always like that. But this is a great thing. In fact, let's give it a... Well deserved. Anyway, as you heard, to start the tutorial, just press the spacebar. And to close Chromevox, press Control, Alt, and Z. And finally, let's talk about the Braille output feature. Now, this isn't just a case of pressing a keyboard shortcut and getting Braille suddenly appear, because, as I said earlier, you do need to connect your Braille display to your computer first. This in itself isn't an overly complicated, really technical procedure. But with the various Braille displays that are available, it's a little bit too much to go into here. But don't worry about it, because wherever you get your Braille display from, that company will be more than happy to walk you through how to set it up. Now, the Braille output feature itself is actually controlled by the screen reader. So if you do want to use Braille output, you are going to have to learn the screen reader for your specific computer. For example, on a Windows PC with Narrator, once you learn how to use the basics 
you could go into the narrator settings and keep moving through all the items until you find the option Use Braille. And it's the same on the Mac with VoiceOver and Chromevox. To enable Braille output, you need to do it through the screen reader. Anyway, like I said, if you are buying a Braille display, you will get all the help you could possibly need from the company you are buying it from. Oh, and with that, I think we're done. That's it. We're at the end. Well done. I really hope that for some of you out there, this episode answered some questions you may have had. But if you have more questions, feel free to email me, feedback at ami.ca. And don't forget, if you're interested to learn more, we will be going into more detail on Windows, Mac and Chromebook later on in the series. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and see you next time. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.